In today's show, we're looking at contract year. Is it something that's a myth? Is it something that's real? Should you target players in the final year of their contract? Does Michael Bolton know? I do. Let's try it. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangio Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit Fangio.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So we're here to talk about contract years. And I know plenty of you have a lot of thoughts on this. It is something that gets bandied about willy-nilly without any thought in the media and on social media. And I do it every year. We look at the numbers. We break it down. I'll go through my methodology. And you can pick holes in my methodology. I'll pick holes in my methodology. That's just how it's done. But let's present the results. Do you know what they are? If you do, what's your opinion on how these results are going to look? Drop it in the comments or in the chat if you're watching live on YouTube. Uh, and let's get to it. In fact, should we get it on, Warney? Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. So the first thing we have to define, and this is what happens in these off-season shows, we're going to define what we're talking about. What sort of statuses are we talking about here? Well, there's a few different ways that you can be in a contract year. You're an upcoming unrestricted free agent. That's, that's the easy one. At the end of the season, your contract runs out and you are free to sign anywhere. The general theory of this is in a sports situation, well, my contract is up. I'm going to play extra hard and I'm going to produce extra well so I get a new contract. That's what people think. The money is the motivator to play well. Therefore, we target players in contract years. The straightforward situation. My contract is up. I have to now try hard to get my money. There are some people who take this even to an extra degree and go like, well, that player's in, in a contract year, so the team is going to play him more, so he produces more, which is, I think, insane. But some people believe that. Well, this guy's in a contract year. Of course, they're going to give him more minutes. Yeah, okay, don't think so. That's the straightforward one. The next one is a player option. We know what a player option is in a contract. Well, maybe we don't. Welcome if you're a new listener or a new NBA follower or someone who doesn't follow it as closely as me or many others do. What's a player option? A player option is at the end of the season, you have the option to take one more year on your contract. So you sign your contract and you can take that one year or you think, hey, you know what? I actually want to leave the team or if I go back onto the open market, I can make more money. The general rule with a player option usually is that a player, if a player performs well, they will decline the option to become an unrestricted free agent, meaning basically players who are in player option seasons are playing as a contract year. Does that, I hope that makes sense. They're usually playing as a contract year because their idea in their head or your head should be is that they are playing extra hard so that they can get more money 
on their next contract, which would mean declining the player option for next season and moving forward. Now, of course, if they really struggle and the open market wouldn't pay them that much, they pick up the player options. They don't become a free agent. But when we're looking at the start of the season, those guys who have player options, theoretically, according to the theory of a contract year performance, those players are out there playing super hard so they will decline their player option at the end of the season. So people with player options are included in this analysis. The next one is restricted free agents. So players coming off rookie deals. Now, those ones are a little bit more interesting. Those are ones where, yes, they are theoretically able to get, or not theoretically, they are absolutely able to get new contracts. That is what they do. They will get new contracts, but they can get squeezed by the market at times because of the restricted nature, knowing that their team can just match the deal. So that limits somewhat their overall earning potential. But the overall theory still applies. If they play super well, then they're going to earn more money on their new contract, whether that's getting matched by their original team, by their new team signing a contract, or getting out onto the open market and another team paying too much that the original team declines. That's a restricted free agent. It's either first round picks or second round picks or undrafted rookies or whatever. You know the rules on restricted free agency. Um, the next one is a little bit, a little bit different, and I, it, because of the way the CBA is and the way the salary cap is, these need to be included in this assessment. And it's extensions, rookie extensions. So players who play as a first, as a first round draft pick, when you play your third season. At the end of that season, you become eligible for a huge rookie extension. So while technically those guys aren't in contract years, so the examples from last season, LaMelo Ball, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Halliburton, James Wiseman, all of those guys from the 2020 draft were in theoretical contract years because at the end of the 22-23 season, all of those guys were eligible to sign new contracts. And we saw that. 200 plus million for Halliburton, for Ball, for Anthony Edwards, for Bain. Isaiah Stewart signed a new contract. They were eligible to get gigantic raises if the team decided to do that. Now, the problem with rookie extensions when analyzing contract year situations and production is because they're not truly free agents, is that the guys who actually play well We'll get the new contract. So we look at them and go, well, look, they got they played well and they got the new contract. And it's what it's some it's some sort of cognitive bias when we look at this, right? But the guys who didn't play well, James Wiseman, Patrick Williams, who doesn't have a contract at this point, Isaac Okoro from this this draft, who didn't get or haven't so far gotten a rookie extension, those players who didn't get that rookie extension, well, that's not like they're in a situation where now they sign for a smaller amount. Like if you're an unrestricted free agent and you play really well, you get a $30 million contract. If you're an unrestricted free agent and you suck and there's no market for you, you might get $3 million. And we're able to analyze those numbers really easy. Like this guy was in a contract year, his production went up or down. But Patrick Williams technically wasn't in a contract year last season. And I'm not including him in this analysis because he wasn't a free agent. But if he had have gone crazy and played super well, he would have been eligible for a new contract. So how do I include those guys? Is Anthony Edwards included in this? Is LaMelo Ball included in this? Because they played at that level and that generated them a new contract. So I am including those players who received rookie extensions so far. 
I'm going to look at it without those because, again, it is a situation where the only way they qualify for getting a new contract is by playing really well. That's the only way they qualify to get that new contract. So the guys that don't play, I'd have to include every player from the first round of the 2020 draft. Otherwise, in this, to to show that those guys who didn't get the rookie extension, you know, they're, what their production looked like. And the same goes with veteran extensions. There are so many players across the NBA who are eligible for veteran extensions. I can't include all of them because, again, they're technically not free agents. But there were a few players who signed veteran extensions. DeMontis Sabonis. Jalen Brown. They're the two names. There's someone else that comes to my mind. They're the two names who immediately come to my mind. Who was the other one? Uh, DeJounte Murray was the other one who signed that veteran extension. All right, when they're not free agents, they couldn't choose their new team, but they were able to sign a new contract and there is some internal motivation for them to play at a higher level so they can generate that new contract. But again, I do do you want me to go through and include every player who was eligible for a veteran extension who didn't sign one? It gets a bit iffy. And that's another part of it. The other thing is, is how do we determine whether the production in a contract is due to opportunity, minutes on a bad team, injuries in front of them? How do we determine whether it's just natural growth which is so, so common for players going from year two to year three, year three to year four. Like they are the biggest areas for growth of players. And that ties into the guys who are eligible for rookie extensions or players who become restricted free agents. So it's not just a contract situation in my mind. It is just, well, you've gotten better because you're in the league one extra year at year two, year three, year four. To me, that is the bigger factor. So we're going to look at it. every single player who was either a top 250 player in 22-23, according, and I'm using fantasy points as my metric in this. It's just a little bit easier because we've got raw numbers. Whereas for category league, if we use rankings, rankings are dependent on every other player around you. And a player who might be ranked 40 in one year with exactly the same numbers might be 55th the season before. So it gets a little bit wonky. We're just looking mainly for increases or decreases. We're using fantasy points in this one. So yeah, veteran extensions are, are a situation, again, where there's just so many players who are eligible for them, but don't receive them. So how do we include that? So we're going to include every player who was a top 250 player in 22-23, or a player who was a top 250 player in 21-22, who then qualified in 22-23 to be a, a contract year player. And we're going to assess their fantasy points production year on year. We're going to assess their fantasy points per minute year on year to see whether they actually played better when they were on the court or whether it was a factor of getting more minutes. And we're going to have a look at how all that goes. For every player, we're going to look at every player minus extensions, veteran and rookie extensions, and then every player minus restricted free agents and extensions to see what the impact is. I hope I've explained that all well. We'll get into it in a second. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Take a first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run 
all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. And with a Major League Baseball trade deadline happening tomorrow, I think it is, you might want to get in on some World Series futures. And you can do that with your bonus bets as well. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. And don't forget, gamble responsibly. All right. What was my method? I've described a little bit of it here of who we're using, but we're looking at a couple of different things. Fantasy points per game. Fantasy points per minute, a percentage increase, decrease in both of those, and also a gross increase, decrease. Like how many fantasy points per game did players jump up or down on average across those cohorts? Good, good word. I hope it's the right word. I'm pretty sure it's the right word. If not, sample that um, that I detailed earlier. Again, you may have some quibbles with how I set this up. And one other thing we look at is we can look at and this is the thing that burns into our head. And one thing that's really important for me in doing this analysis is we will automatically look at the players at the top of fantasy rankings and see that they're in a contract year and go, see, Josh, the contract year is important. And that's great. If you know to draft the guys who are in contract years who are going to have better seasons, because there are plenty of guys who are in contract years who have worse seasons. We just ignore them because they're not at the top of the rankings. So it becomes, it's not, is it cognitive bias? Is it self-fulfilling prophecy? I don't know what it is. Because you look back at it and you go, man, look at the season that Christoph Porzingis had. It must have been because it was a contract year. Well, there you go. There's proof. I'm going to target contract year guys. And that's great if you get the right guy in the right situation. And I'd argue for Porzingis, the situation was very obvious that he was going to be in a better situation. And I took a bet on him in many, many leagues because I you know, you know my take on injuries. And he was in a spot where he was likely to get more usage and he's a really good fantasy player. And he and he just did more for that Wizards team. That was not a hard bet to make. And it's got nothing to do with a contract, in my opinion. So let's take a look at the key players. Let's take a look at the guys who are at the top of the 2022-23 fantasy points per game list and how they compared to 21-22. The number one player at the top of that list was Jim Harden. Now you might say, Josh, James Harden wasn't a free agent. Okay. But he was because he had a player option. So he had the ability to decline it and become a free agent. Now there's a whole lot of stuff happening behind the scenes there where he's opted in to try and get traded. And I don't know if he's going to get traded. But when we're looking at the start of a season, we look at it and go, James Harden has a player option, what looks like an under-market player option. We assume that he will become a free agent in the off-season. That is how we have to approach it. We don't look at it and go, well, he actually picked it up and looking for a trade, therefore he doesn't count in all of this. He dropped, not not much, from 47.7 to 46 fantasy points per game, 46.2. 1.5 points, okay. Kyrie Irving was also a guy who um, last offseason picked up his player option and played on the final year of his contract, got traded. His year was identical, 44.8 fantasy points versus, well, identical would mean 44.8 fantasy points. That's what he did. Lamelo Ball, again, one of the rookie extensions, not actually a free agent, but he played and got a bigger contract. Is that potential? Is that his play? We know he was injured a lot. He actually went up in points per game, 44.8 versus 42.1. Because when he played, his usage was sky high and his minutes were well well up. So he went up. 
Tyrese Halliburton, similar situation. No, similar, literally exactly the same situation as LaMelo Ball. Had a gigantic jump, 36.9 up to 44.5. That's going to skew the numbers, isn't it? But that's part of it. He played and got a contract. Now, we all know why. We all know what happened with Halliburton. He moved to a different team. He was in year three, a huge room for growth, played more minutes, and took a real big breakout. Is that because he was playing for a rookie extension? Or is it just because everything worked into place? The guy that we mentioned earlier, Porzingis. Porzingis. He averaged 42.4 fantasy points the year before, 38.9. He had a player option, and he actually picked up that player option in order to be traded to the Boston Celtics. And there at Boston, he signed an extension as well. So yes, he was in a contract year. He went up from 38.9 to 42.4. Really good production from him. Was that because he was in a contract year or because the Washington situation was better for him than Dallas and he was able to play more minutes? Don't know, but it's part of it. Goose, Anthony Edwards. Another rookie extension. Went from 36.3 to 41.8. Big jump up. Same as Halliburton, same as Ball. And then you'll notice out of these top seven players in fantasy points that were in a contract year-ish type scenario, four of them were... Yeah, four of them were extension guys. Three rookies, Lamello, three rookie extensions, Lamello, Halliburton, and Edwards. And the last one on this list, Demontis Sabonis, who went up from 42.3 to 45.8. Now, I, I think most of you, when you're considering contract year, if you're drafting, you're not looking at, oh, who's available for a veteran extension? Because literally, there are so many players who are eligible for that veteran extension. But Sabonis upped his play, signed an extension. So he's in the list, and he jumped up his production for sure. Again, let's have a look at those guys who were the extension players. Ball, Halliburton, Edwards, Sabonis. All of them with sizable jumps, signing extensions. That's the self-fulfilling prophecy that I talked about. They probably wouldn't have signed, well, maybe some of them would have, but they may not have signed those big extensions if they had, a, had have played worse seasons. We don't see every player who was eligible for an extension in this analysis. I hope, all that, hope that does make sense. Let's look at Jalen Brown, who, again, was eligible for an extension. JB, you've done it again. He needed to hit All-NBA status to be eligible for that $300 million Supermax. And he did. He went up from 37 fantasy points to 41.6. Pretty sizable leap. Is that because he was playing for that extension? Is it because there were so many forwards who were injured and probably didn't play enough games to qualify for All-NBA? Is it a little bit of both? Possibly. Maybe. To any of those things. But he's included. Fred Van Vliet a literal free agent, went from 39.9 to 40.2. About the same. DeJounte Murray, veteran extension. He's the opposite situation. He went from 49.4 points as a spur down to 38.9 with the Hawks. We knew, maybe some of us didn't know. I had a fairly, we didn't, actually nobody knew. We had a very, very strong idea that he was going to lose production in Atlanta and he did in a sizable amount. But he still was signing that extension. So was he playing for a new contract last season? Don't know. I can't get in someone's head. The big fella in Chicago. It's Bosa. It's big Bosa. Bosa's it. Bosa bitch. He went from 39.6 to 38.3. Even though technically he did sign an extension with like two days to go on his contract, he was a free agent at the end of the season. That's not really an extension. It is an extension, but it's only extension by wording. He's a free agent. Des Bain, another rookie extension, went from 30.9 to 36. Big leap. Kuzma, 
We all thought Kuzma had a really big breakout. He went from 34.6 to 35.6. It's not that big. It's not that big of a difference. And then Westbrook was in a contract year as well. The end of his $40 million contract uh, went from 37.8 to 35.1 and ends up on the Clippers, back again on the Clippers next season. So the extension players here, Jalen Brown, pretty big leap. DeJounte Murray, big step backwards. And Desmond Bain, pretty sizable leap on those extensions, even though none of those guys were slated to be free agents in the offseason. So out of my pool of players, and let's have a look at the guys I had. I've got 94 play, 93 players in my list of guys who are top 250 in either 22-23 or 21-22 who were free agents or signed new contracts. got 93 players in that list. Who saw the biggest percentage increase in production? Well, you'll be interested to know that nearly all of them are not relevant players or not relevant full season players. Josh Okogie jumped his production 135%. He had some relevance towards the end of the season and he might be the sun start of this season. Did it translate into a big contract for him? No, it didn't. But it did get him a contract. Trey Jones jumped up 96%. Well, he's a relevant player. He's probably going to be the starter again for the Spurs. He was just someone who'd never played at all, really, as a marginal backup behind DeJounte Murray the year before and became the starter. Was that because he was in a contract year? Or was it just because he got extra opportunity? I think we all know the answer to that. It's extra opportunity. Um, Javon Carter went up 80%. He was pretty strong for the Bucks. Is that contract year? Maybe. He was 80% increase. He goes to the Bulls now. I think he will start. There's a chance that he goes to the Bulls and produces more than he did in his contract year. Again, completely skewering the contract year myth on that one example, but that happens very, very often. And we never, ever talk about it. Again, I will always try and preach a level of media literacy. Watch what you get told and watch what you don't get told. You will get told that someone had a big contract year. And look at that performance. But what if Jalen Brown or Kristaps Porzingis or Javon Carter produces more this season than they did last season? Not a single person will talk about it. Everyone will assume, well, you got a contract and then you got fat and lazy and you didn't put in the effort, so you get worse the year before the year after. But no one will ever talk about the guys who do better the year after. No one will ever talk about the players in contract years who shit the bed and blow everything. No one talks about it. That's what we're here to look at. Jalen McDaniels, he jumped up 51% in production. He And it probably would have been more if he had to play the entire season in Charlotte. But there was a big reason for it. LaMelo Ball, out nearly all season. Miles Bridges are literally out all season. Gordon Haywood, out half the season. Cody Martin out the entire season. So four rotation players were gone. So McDaniels played more minutes. Was it because he was fighting for a contract or because four players ahead of him in the rotation were out? Yep. Brook Lopez. Now, there was something to say here about Brook Lopez. 49% increase. Now, the year before, Lopez barely played. He had back surgery, played only a handful of games and limited minutes. That's, that is true. So he was always going to increase from that. He jumped up his minutes and his production went through the roof. But also, his production was better than it had been either of the two previous seasons. So maybe you can assign contract year production to that. It's a big leap, 49%. And we knew that that was going to be a leap, but he also, again, leapt over some other previous seasons where he wasn't injured. Interesting one. Troy Brown Jr. went up 48%. He went from being an absolute non-factor to a guy starting games for the Lakers. Was that a factor of the Lakers' weird roster and rotation? Yes. 
Was it a factor of Troy Brown being awesome? No. And Cater Bates-Diop, up 46% in production as well. That was because the Spurs shut blokes down towards the end of the season. Bates-Diop was able to start games. He was good. Is it because he was a contract year player? No, because he got a minimum contract. It didn't give him a big payday. He's got a chance to play a role for the Suns, but he jumped up significantly. What about the decreased players, the ones you never hear about? Jeff Frank Kaminsky played in the NBA this season. He was a top 250 player. I think he was actually a top 200 player in 21-22. His production dropped 72%. And where is he now? In his contract year, not signed, not on a team. The Red Rooster, Terry Taylor, down 70%. Remember that little run he had for the Pacers a couple of years ago? Well, he ended up on the Bulls on a two-way at the end of last season and barely played and now he's unsigned. The table, Montrez Harrell, down 55%. He was in a contract year. He ended up picking up, well, he ended up declining his player option and re-signing with the Sixers. Was he good? No. Down 55%. Farton Will Barton, traded to the Wizards, ended up being waived, signing with the Raptors. Guess what he is? Current, unsigned, unrestricted free agent for a bloke who I believe was top 130 in 21-22, heading into a contract year and completely shit the bed. Would you ever consider that as a contract year situation? No, you wouldn't. Or no, most people wouldn't because he played worse. So we ignore it. Justin Holiday played with Atlanta, went to Dallas, was bad in both spots. Now he's with Denver. His production dropped 50%. Cool. Shemezi Metu, down 46%. He's now with the Suns. Darius Baisley was actually a restricted free agent. Ended up traded to Phoenix. They didn't really play him. And now he's in Brooklyn. He was a top 160 player, I believe, in 21-22. Heading into a restricted free agent season. Heading into year four. And did nothing. Down 45%. So they're the other side that you don't hear about. Are you ready for the results? I think you know where it's going to go. Out of the 93 players that I looked at, this is what happened. The fantasy points per game change year over year for these 93 players, it dropped 2.5%. The fantasy points per minute change dropped 0.9%. So a lot of it is, is minutes related, but that's the change. The raw change, those players on average scored 1.33 fantasy points per game less. And again, you can be selective if you want. You can only look at top 100 players. You can only look at the top 20 players. But again, that's self-fulfilling. It means that, the, yeah, the guys who did really well, it must be because they were in a contract year. The guys who did really poorly well, it's something else. But over those 93 players, including the veteran extensions, the rookie extensions, and the restricted free agents, they were 1.33 fantasy points worse off. The fantasy point per minute raw change, it was negative 0.01 fantasy points per minute. Negligible. Now, what I, am, what I am not telling you here is that players in contract years will get worse. That is not what I am telling you at all. It's just not true. I am not here to tell you avoid players in contract years. Do not do that. That's not what I am saying at all. I've got to really be stressful at that point. Just because that this batch of players dropped 1.33 fantasy points on average, that does not mean that we avoid fantasy fantasy players in contract years. We don't do that. What this again shows to prove for about the sixth year in a row that I've done this analysis is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if a player is in a contract year. 
it doesn't mean a single thing. This number could have been zero fantasy points. This number could have been one fantasy point per game positive. And I still would have said the same thing. It doesn't matter. When you've got a change of 2.5%, whether it's a positive number, a negative number, it should not adjust your thinking in the slightest. There are so many more things that are important. Projected minutes, projected usage, the age of the player, age-related improvement, year two, year three, year four. All of that means something. Contract year does not, despite what you, well, if I had to play for more money, I would get, I would play harder. That's just not how it works. I'm sorry to tell you. And I know there are going to be people that disagree, but what about this? Okay, show me it. I, I don't think I could be more comprehensive. What if we take out the guys who signed extensions? The guys who weren't free agents, Sabonis, Jalen, Bain, Halliburton, those guys. If we take those players out, the guys who technically weren't free agents, but gained new contracts, how does the numbers look? Well, guess what? Predictably, it looks worse. Negative 3.5%. So those players, excluding those guys, drop 3.5%. Their fantasy points per minute drop 1.3. Their fantasy points per game drop 1.7. And their fantasy points per minute drop 0.02. And the last one we look at is not including extensions and not including restricted free agents. Because why do we not include restricted free agents? Again, the general rule that I go by is that players in year two, year three, year four are improving because of experience and because of just time in the league. That is why they are getting better, not because of the contract. So if we take those guys out and we really just look at guys who are coming off a second contract, because that's what no extensions and guy and restricted free agents off a first contract. So guys coming off a second contract, the guys hitting their 27, 28 year old prime, how did it look? Yeah, real bad. They dropped almost 7% in fantasy points per game. They lost 2.2% in fantasy points per minute. Those players on average lost 2.4 fantasy points. And they lost 0.03 fantasy points per minute. Again, I am not here to tell you that players in contract years will perform worse. Absolutely not. What I am here to tell you is just pay no attention to it. So I could go through and go, well, these are the guys who are in contract years for this season. Pay attention to them. But it would be disingenuous. Am I going to target Patrick Williams because he's in a contract year? No. Am I going to target Patrick Williams because he's heading into his fourth season? And if he doesn't do something now, then I, I don't know what the Bulls are going to do with him. Then yeah, look, there's a starting spot there and maybe he improves. Look, am I going to tell you target James Harden because now he's opted in and he's an unrestricted free agent again? So now for he's looking to get paid next offseason? Am I going to tell you that? No, I'm not. Am I going to tell you target Eric Gordon? No, I'm not. Because he signed a one plus one. And if he performs better than the minimum in Phoenix, then he opts out and he's back on the market. No. The whole idea of this is to show, again, for the umpteenth year in a row, that it does not matter. It's just a thing that you twist yourself into believing because it gets bandied about in so many different media areas. He's in a contract here. Yeah, cool. Will Barton, shout out to you. Contract year legend. Kevin Love. Contract year legend. Cam Reddish. Contract year legend. Ayodesumu. Contract year legend. Grant Williams. DMP contract year legend. Um, Billy Hernan Gomez. Contract year legend. Kemba Walker. He's playing in Europe. Contract year legend. 
Dennis Schroeder, contract year legend. The pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Contract year legend, Chris Middleton. Contract year legend. Do you want me to keep going? Christian Wood, contract year legend. D'Angelo Russell, contract year legend. Kelly Oubre, an interesting one. Actually really performed well in his contract year. And nobody wants a single bar of signing him. Like, Taylor Horton Tucker. He was in a contract year. He opted into his player option. Max Struess was in a contract year. Performed, performed better. But does it matter? Don't know. I, mean, I do know. It doesn't matter. Hamadou Diallo contract year. Currently unsigned. Thomas Bryant contract year. Cool. Doesn't, yep. Did it work out well? No. And that is my analysis. But tell me what, how you're going to look at this. How are you going to use this information? How are you going to disagree with it? If you are, or do you fully agree? It is way more important to focus on minutes, usage, situation, than looking at contract year. That is how you will have more success. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are on YouTube, fight me in the comments or don't. Give it a thumb up, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. So yeah.